0: earth wind and fire according to recent studies you may not even remember what happened yesterday or certain conversations because apparently fake news might be creating fake memories and the founder of the brain performance center in dallas lee richardson joins me is that a right assessment that a recent study saying fake news could create fake memories
1: well, you know, as a rule, we remember emotionally charged events a lot better than we do the boring ones.
0: And obviously, and the, uh, what what do you consider emotionally charged events in this time?
1: Well, a lot of the fake news. <laughs> you know, I can't wait for 2020 because the amount, the Twitters, the social media, and most of us these days reading news in the morning. And... I saw a statistic, 23% of Americans have shared fake news, and 14% of them knew it was fake.
0: And did they, even though they knew it was fake, did they share it anyway? Yes, they did. And that really is kind of sad, is it
1: not? Well, it is. I mean, is it? are we just looking for the exciting moment, you know, or are we just looking for the glim and the glamour? Um, and I think a lot of times, some people think it's funny. They'll see it and they'll say, oh, that's ridiculous. But they they get a chuckle. Sometimes I think we see something and we go, hmm. But it's interesting. So, you know, everybody's looking for something to put on their Instagram. Everybody's looking for something new to tweet about. And I think that has something to do with it.
0: And so how does that affect our memories? I'll tell you a story. This week, I literally felt I was having deja vu on the train Because I heard a certain phrase, ironically, because I'm on crutches rollerblading, maybe there's why, but I heard the phrase crutch to lean on, like in a prior thought process, and then I heard it right next to me in real life, and I'm like, what is happening? I mean, I'm wrapped up in the news cycle every day, so am I possibly a victim of fake news causing these fake memories?
1: Well, you know, you got to think about the memory process. You have to bring the information in, you have to encode it, you have to store it, and then you have to retrieve it. So, what and what helps us to retrieve quicker is the emotional aspect of it, and we remember the emotional things better than we do the the boring ones.
0: And so, how does this? By the way, what we're talking about is a study. I believe that was brought about at the University College of Cork where they did this fake news and fake memory study. Science Daily reported on it. Lee Richardson, who I'm talking with, was recommended. So how about the idea that we are so wrapped up in the news cycle and constantly getting notifications on our phone? I feel like that's eroding some of of that process to encode because we're constantly getting hit with everything at
1: once. Well, we are. We've got it going 24-7, and it's almost created a feeling of if you don't know what the latest and the greatest is, you know, you're left out, the so fomo you're missing out. Um, We want to be immediate with everything we do these days.
0: And I feel like the calmness of the day is when you actually say, you know what, here I am in this moment. This is the reality. Let's deal with it instead of wandering off to somewhere else.
1: And I think, you know, one of the things with fake news is that we remember the things that line up with our core values, and I've seen studies that show that. If you see fake news and that's something that you believe, oh, there's evidence, there's proof that I'm right.
0: Let's talk about the fake news from a Democrat versus Republican perspective, if you don't mind. Did Democrats share it more than Republicans? Did Republicans share it more than Democrats? Was there a split?
1: That is something I don't know the answer to. Uh, I think that they both share it, but I think they both have, you know, different motivation at different times. Oh, it's- but who shared more as of today? I couldn't tell you.
0: Uh, well, so... That being said, I feel like the the, the the line is there where, or the line is a race between Democrat and Republican. Everybody's sharing it, but I, I just feel like the Democrat motivation would be this and Republican. Anyway, at the Brain Performance Center,
1: how do you guys fix this dilemma? Well, it's, you know, it's trying to get more in touch with reality. And what I tell people that come out, you know, anxious about something, they fall in line. I said, you know what? It's our responsibility as an everyday reader, to, to know what to look for. I mean, a lot of times when you go back and you look at something and you try to go back to, you know, it'll have a .com in the URL, where you try to put that URL address in another window and open it, and it's, you can't get there. So I think that we have to know what we're looking for, and we have to do some due diligence. We have a responsibility to say, is that real? Um, And where do you get your news? Does anybody read a paper anymore? Well, you know, it's
0: funny you mention that, Lee, because yesterday on my podcast, I talked about how this library in, in Florida got rid of the New York Times because of the fake news they felt they were putting out there. And I still feel like we cannot cancel our subscriptions because while they may have misinformation at times, people should just be able to choose their news source. So telling people to
1: cancel subscriptions doesn't always make sense to me. Well, that doesn't make sense to me at all because if you're putting it in print, you at least have some line of accreditation. Um, much more than if you just hop online and, and put it out there. And that may just be my old school you know, learning—the uh, way I learn.
0: And it's funny to mention that because bots are often tweeted more so than regular people in this day and age.
1: And I think that's going back to your question about Democrats and Republicans. I think that Donald Trump is such an easy target because he does tweet. He does use social media as a way to communicate. And I think that puts that kind of puts him in front of eyes more often than otherwise he might be.
0: Absolutely. And and so. Yet he uses the media to his advantage a lot of the time, and people still won't see. So when he was first running, I always put the context, and this is what no one else is doing. They're not putting words that he says in context, and that's also creating fake news because you're creating a portion of it that's not even the whole story. And that's what these media outlets tend to do.
1: Well, I think they'll take you know they take things out of content. You read one sentence and then you put a whole you wrap around it a whole different story. And it, it tells a whole different story there. But you're taking it out of content and using it in a way to support your, your cause. And so uh,
0: it's become more damaging. I feel like that's been going on for years, but now it's a little more damaging because it's leading to the polarization of our society, is it not? It is.
1: And I think that more and more, that's the way we find it acceptable. I mean, it's so easy to pick up your phone and see the latest, you know, the the news. It's so easy when you're logging in into your email. There's the top day news stories right there. And so we don't really do the in I don't and I'll be the first to admit it. I don't do the in depth reading that I used to do because it's so much easier just to read the little snippet that's put in front of me.
0: And um uh, and the and so How does this erode our actual, does this erode our actual memories from childhood, from yesterday even? Is there an erosion of everyday things that we want to remember, but we can't because of the news cycle?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's only so much memory. That brain will only hold so much data. And what it does is it reinforces the memory that we have of things that we believe in. And so it makes those memories stronger. And we react, we're in a reactionary mode. We react to what's top of mind. And if you think about the way the brain processes information, every second it takes in 11,000 bits of data. Um, at best, 40 bits of data can be processed on a conscious level. The rest is processed on a subconscious level. And I always told my kids, listen to your gut because your gut is your subconscious. And so when you have those memories that ring true with your values and your core beliefs and your emotions, those reside at that subconscious level too. So it makes them stronger.
0: And so would you say that we're putting the news cycle over our everyday lives and that we're forgetting our keys more? We're forgetting daily tasks because we're so wrapped up in what the president's saying, in what people are reporting to our news feeds, to our Twitter feeds?
1: Well, I don't know if we are now, but I guarantee you in the 2020 election, we will be. So if if you
0: forget your keys, don't blame it on yourself. Blame it on the fake news. Although, maybe that's a problem in and of itself. Blaming it on the news cycle.
1: That's true. You know, if you, if you forget your keys, put them in the same place every day. And how does
0: because technology really is grappling at our brain? How is your performance center strengthening it in this technological blowup that we see every day?
1: Well, what we're doing is we're creating regulation in the brain. You know, when we get emotional, when we get anxious, when we get depressed, that creates dis. And when we get stressed out, that creates dysregulation in the brain. So, with neural stimulation, with neurotherapy, with psychotherapy, you can calm that brain down, and you can the brain can learn how to get back and stay in a regulated state.
0: Would you say mindfulness and meditation does that work as well, or is that Uh, does that not help the process of the brain as much as it's hyped up to?
1: Absolutely, I think they help. I mean, I think that if you can learn to stay present, because all mindfulness is, is staying present in the moment. 80% of us are either lost in the past or we're worried about the future. And if we can just stay present in the moment, stay more into our real-world life, that will help us. And that's, you know, when we get on social media, that becomes a different life for us. And and it, it makes us a comparative society. Anytime you compare something to something, you've got a winner and a loser. And that,
0: by the way, is leading to a lot of depression. People are like, why is my life not like what we see on social media? And even that life is fake news. They're not always out and about. It just was a trip or something like that. But people internalize that and say wow look at this other person living a better life and that's just not the right way to live
1: no it's not you know well i've never had a vacation like that well this is one minute of, of a three-day vacation the whole vacation wasn't like that uh, and with the holidays coming up i think that that just will bring more and more attention you know those pajamas christmas pajama pictures that everybody's got to put out there they put them on for the picture, and then they dump them.
0: So true. Now I've got to ask us: Do you guys have a lot of cases of people who have a form of depression as well, or 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 not really?
1: Oh no, depression, anxiety; those are two of our biggest groups that we work with.
0: And how does the uh, Dallas Performance Brain Performance Center, your performance center, uh, deal with that?
1: Well, first thing we do is I find out what's going on in that brain. I put a cap on their head and I record the brain waves. And I record, I look at the brain in a couple of other different ways. And from that, I can determine how that brain's working or not working. Because there's three things that impact the way the brain works. The power. We all have slow, medium, and fast waves. And we need them all. But we need the right amount. The coherence. And that's how the brain shares information. I don't care if it's oversharing or undersharing. It's dysregulated. And then we look at phase and phase is the timing. And have you ever known somebody that will walk up to you and they just cannot wait so excuse me, excuse me, I just have to tell you this. Timing's too fast in that brain. Uh trust me,
0: I have that uh I have that myself. I'm very hyperactive up here. The brain's always thinking I've got a radio show I produce. I've got this podcast. So my brain is never stopping. And I always feel like it doesn't want to slow down or it can slow down. And I'm a little uh, worried about that. The hyperactivity up there gets to me sometimes.
1: We'll practice some of that mindfulness and focus on your breathing. Because if you change your breath rate, you'll change your heart rate. And if you can get those two to dance together, you're creating heart rate variability, and that is a sign of health.
0: And uh, Lee Richardson, we're talking to you on this podcast, gamer with Alexander Garrett. Thanks for joining me today, by the way. And, and for fake news, how is that adding to the anxiety, to the depression, to what's now really becoming a Trump derangement syndrome? I know maybe psychologists hate that term, but I feel like that's now becoming a relevant
1: term, is it not? I think it is, and I think, you know, it deepens people's anxiety. They worry more. They're unsure. You know, for people with depression, it's more confusion, frustration. But either way you look at it, it's not a positive effect.
0: And so how do you – what's your advice to people who just can't stop with the news cycle? How do you turn them off? What would you tell them right now to say, hey, it's a Saturday, why don't you just turn off your phone and 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 be with your family? like will that
1: message ever
0: get through to anybody in this world today?
1: I think people are starting to get it, and what I say is you take thirty minutes in the morning and then you take then you turn it off, you take thirty mi- minutes late afternoon and then you turn it off because I haven't found people able to go from you know all the time with it to absolutely nothing. So my suggestion is okay, you feel a need to check in. Check in twice a day. Put a time limit on it, and then those are your boundaries. Respect your boundaries.
0: And write on your hand, on your palm, wherever, just to make sure you know. Hey, time's up. Got to get back to the real world.
1: And that's why I say schedule it. Schedule that time so you know when it's time. It's phone time, and you know when it's not.
0: And honestly, Lee, I find myself every time I'm bored, what is my first reaction? It's to pull up the phone. And that also is like, how do I get myself out of that habit? How does anybody get themselves out of that habit?
1: You make a, cho- a conscious choice that, you know, that that is not. That's not where all your answers are. Maybe you go talk to a colleague. You know, maybe you interact with people. To, if you're looking for information, try getting it that way. It's a whole lot more fun.
0: And it is, and it's a shame that if you are, I, uh, you know, if you are a certain supporter, you will be exiled from your community at times. But I've also seen loneliness as part of the cycle in this in this day and age, and politics definitely has added to that because then people feel alone in their their, their uh, you know political views. Then how how can you continue to support the views if you feel lonely in them? But I do feel like the fake news is adding to loneliness as well.
1: Well, I think, you know, if you surround yourself and you get most of your connections with your 500 friends online that you don't know the phone number of one of them, um, that is lonely.
0: It's very lonely. And how do we, how, how does one fix the loneliness?
1: Well, I think it, it starts with a decision that I need to change the way I'm interacting with the world. And because I don't know how you really interact with a phone. I pick it up, I use it as a resource, I check my work schedule, I check, you know, I can text my kids, I can text my friends, Um, but it's not engaging. I don't interact with it. I use it as a tool for interaction, and I think, you know, understanding what that phone or that computer screen really is will help you, you know, get a grip, get clarity on what you're using it for, because honestly, it is so easy and it's so immediate that my reaction at first is, well, why not?
0: Right. Well, and we've treated it like a person, when in reality, it's something you look at. It's an object. It's not someone sitting right in front of you. And of course, we know now that when people are sitting in front of each other, they don't even look at each other anymore.
1: No, they're looking at their phones.
0: And so uh, you have a dinner table. I have a dinner table. How do you deal with that at the dinner table, are your kids off the phone completely, or how does that? How do you make that work?
1: Well, my kids are grown and they don't live at home anymore. But I will tell you this: when we go out to dinner as a family, our phones do not come out of our pocket. And part of that may be because it's special time; it's not our everyday. But when you walk into a restaurant and you see you see tables are full, nobody's talking. Nobody.
0: Nobody's
1: looking at their phones.
0: So I'll tell you, yesterday I was on the subway and I was on my headphones because, you know, the city has become a place where no one wants to talk on the subway. But I heard someone say, oh, look, they're all buried on their phones." So I got up or I took my head out of the phone. I started talking to these people. They're from L.A. But like that inspired me, like, wow, this is how certain people feel when they see others on the phone that, wow, look how buried they are. And I don't want to be categorized as someone buried in their phone. So... Maybe I should just engage with people on the subway, even though that seems like a different thing to do, a a more risky thing to do with this day and age.
1: Well, you know what? I think when I see somebody walking down the street and they've got their ear ear pods in, I can't ask them for help. I can't ask them for directions. So I think we need to stop and, and think about what it looks like to other people in the world when we're just buried in our phones. Now you're in Dallas
0: and right, you're in Dallas? Right. So here in New York we have the landmarks, but I was just gonna say, no matter where you live, just look up out of the phone and appreciate your environment. I feel like that's been a lost art as well. Appreciating oh, absolutely. everything around you.
1: It's dangerous. It's going pulling out of a parking lot at a one of the biggest malls here last weekend and Person was walking down the the road, looking at their phone, and I'm like, I could run over them. Not that I ever would, but oh my gosh, I could hit them, and they wouldn't even know it, unless it knocked the phone out of their hands.
0: Or not only would they not even know, they'd actually get upset at you for not paying attention to them, even though they're not paying attention. <laughs> You're right
1: about that. You are 100% right about that.
0: And uh, I mean, that's also a very uh, negative aspect of people using But it's true. Like, oh, you should have have paid attention to me Well, you're on your phone. So why aren't you paying attention to the people around you?
1: I think the phone really has caused us to lose grip. I mean, people, instead of looking at the sky, wow, how blue is the sky today? Look how pretty the clouds are. They're that wispy kind of cloud that I really like. You know, they just don't. Because they're so busy looking at their phone, they
0: just don't take the time to do that. So I, I actually did that. I looked up at the sky and I actually tweeted, "Wow, what a nice, beautiful day. It's too bad. I get political with it. Too bad the Democrats want to even tax our sky." Like, but, but no. And because I was looking up at the sky, they're like, "Are you high?" And I'm like, "No, I'm just looking up in the air and and thinking about things. I can't think for something about it, you know, like that." They, they That's don't, nice. they, they don't comprehend the deep thinking anymore. That's what I, I'm. Fearing is going to be part of the end of society when we lose the deep thinking aspect of things.
1: Well, and we're, if we're always looking for the quick answer, if we're always looking for the fastest way to get it done, then we're bypassing the deep thinking. That's for sure.
0: Now I have to ask: Do you think, as you've been doing, how many years have you been, had this? Uh, have you had this center?
1: Um, uh, ten years.
0: So in the ten years you've had this, I'm sure you've been in the psychology, you sound like you've been in psychology and, and the, the brain studies for a long time. Uh, right. So are we going to reach a crescendo, a, a peak where everybody's just going to stop in this routine and get out of it and just work together
1: eventually? Or is there no end in sight? I do think there's an end in sight. And I think that, you know, I've seen certain groups of people that have realized, like organizations, that you know, we're we don't get up and walk down the hall and speak to anybody. We just text them, and that I think we're starting to see the loss of personal touch. And with the loss of personal touch, you know that affects your commitment. That affects your overall productivity. I don't have to. I don't need to stay late to talk to them. I'll just text them, and then you'll end up texting all night long over the same thing.
0: Instead of just dealing with it right then and there.
1: Yep. So
0: I had a conflict today even. I had something that I originally was going to do, but I had to bail out of that for my work. And I called up the people. I said, listen, I'm going to bury the hatchet and just call them and say, hey, I can't make it. And that felt much more easier than actually text them to try and resolve it.
1: Well, at least they can hear sincerity in your voice. And at least he thought enough to call me. That's what they
0: said, like, thanks for taking the time to call me. I mean, I guess that's where we're in society. Like, taking, making the time to call is a thing. I never thought that would be the case.
1: But it's almost as, uh, you know, if you want to show someone you care, you call them. You don't just text them.
0: That's very true. And so I'm glad you think there's... A, what, what groups were you referring to, by the way? Because I'm curious to research them.
1: Well, it's just some limited experience that I've had working with, like, the, the local groups. Um, But I'm a member of Success North and Dallas, um, Executive Women of Dallas. I just feel like that there's, they still appreciate the personal appearance. And how do you, uh,
0: because I tend to be worried about my work a lot and whether I get a text message about work or something, how do I just disconnect from that fear and just say, you know what, if a text comes in, Whatever, but don't always expect it. I guess I'm more expecting it nowadays than thinking, all right, it'll happen when it happens. Now I'm expecting it any minute. So how do I get rid of that expectation?
1: Well, if you had something on your mind, raise the question, you know? Don't, don't be in the reactive mode, waiting for something to happen. Be proactive. If it's on your mind, pick up the phone and call someone and say, you know, I had this thought, and this thought concerns me. And let me share it with you.
0: Well, and I, and by the way, I only looked at my phone a couple times during this interview, but I was definitely tracking with you the whole way, so uh, kudos on. This is the thing about in-person and on-the-phone conversation. If if you can be engaged enough, if they engage you enough, then, then they're worth not having the phone for. I feel like sometimes if a conversation isn't engaging, you'll just look at the phone. And maybe that's a terrible approach at it, but that's just how I've, over the last few years, how my brain's been wired.
1: Well, and I think, you know, some people will, they'll say, oh, well, I'm just multitasking. I can do five or six things at once. And in my opinion, you can't. The brain works best when it's focused on one thing. And that will it will do that one thing really well.
0: Now, you've been, um, you, you've obviously done radio and podcasting. Do you feel like sometimes the, the host is distracted even while interviewing you or are they all pretty much on pace with you like they're they're following everything you say how has the interviewing changed in this technological world
1: i think that if you prepare for the shows that you do and and I, i always try to do that if you prepare it has much less impact if you're not prepared you're going to see yourself kind of flopping all over the place because there's so many people can make assumptions And they're just – maybe they're making those assumptions because they want that interview to go really well or they want to stay on schedule. But they can't read your mind, and they can't – they may be making assumptions thinking that they're actually helping, and they're making assumptions, and they're actually hurting.
0: You're saying that's during the interview you're talking about, like – Clarify that, because I'm kind of confusing that. Well,
1: I mean, in getting ready for the interview. When I'm ha- having a podcast, I always make sure that I guess what I want to talk about and what points that I would like if they had, where, where I would like to give them the opportunity to contribute. And if I'm not giving them the opportunities that they're looking for, to please let me know so that I can
0: You have your own podcast. That's awesome. Talk about that for a a minute, if you if you
1: want. Well, I don't do it as regular as you do. I started off doing doing it on a regular basis, and then I went more to shorter. I found that people reacted and responded to shorter bits of information, so I just did shorter videos, and you know, put those on LinkedIn or or Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, and now I've kind of gone back to the podcast because, and I think it's just flowing with where my energy is and my energy changes and I feel like whatever I can do best, whatever resonates with me, that's what I need to be doing.
0: Well, Lee, thank you for for this time today. We we covered a lot of different subjects and uh, I really hope that we can get away from fake news period and that our memories are intact despite the barrage. It's like a barrage of news articles coming everybody's way, and,
1: and hopefully that slows down as well. Well, we only take in as, as much as we let in. And uh,
0: I guess that I means some take it a lot more than others in, in this day and age.
1: And that means turn off your phone. When, when you're done for the day, you know, we don't have to go back and look for, oh, what's new? What else is going on? You know, limit our exposure time.
0: Well, thank you for all these tips today, and I'm sure the listeners are appreciative. How can they get in touch with you, by the way, if they're interested in what Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center of Dallas is about?
1: Well, they can always call for a free consultation. They can call 817-500-4863 or find us online, thebrainperformancecenter.com. YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We're not hard to find. Are you on Twitter? No. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: that's all right. So there you have it. YouTube is great. And uh, thanks for joining me today, Lee. Thank you for having me. I'm Alexander Garrett. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Please unplug and be with your family. Watch college football. Be in the moment today. I'm keeping with Alexander Garrett